Hi everyone and welcome back. For those of you who are new to the podcast, my name is Ryan Zayman. I'm a disabilities advocate, a model and a writer. The Right Foot Forward podcast is something that I've created to highlight voices from the disabled community and give them chances to speak about things that they might not necessarily get to speak about that often and also offer advice to other people who might find comfort in hearing about experiences that might be similar to theirs. Make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast to make sure that you can stay up to date with the latest. You can also see what I'm up to on my Instagram if you follow me at Ryan underscore Zayman. If you want to see what kind of podcasts we've had in the past or what kind of guests we've spoken to or want to see what's coming up, also check my podcast story highlights. If you would like to receive a transcript for this podcast, please let me know by sending me a DM on Instagram and I can get one over to you by email. I am really excited to bring you my conversation with the wonderful disabilities advocate and model from America, Hallie Rosa. She has done work with brands like Off-White before and has a lot of ambitions in terms of her wider advocacy work. Um, Since we recorded this conversation, she has also done some work with Skims, which is really, really amazing, which you might have seen on my story. If you want to follow Hallie, you can follow her on Instagram at HalRosa. I'll leave um, a link in the description to the podcast and I will make sure that I tag her and everything. Show her your love and I hope you really enjoy this conversation. I just want to give you a bit of a trigger warning as well. Um, Hallie has a spinal cord injury and we speak a little bit about her accident. She was in a car accident seven years ago. Um, I want everyone to be happy and relaxed and comfortable when they listen to this podcast. If you want to skip this one, no hard feelings um, and I'll catch you for the next one. All right, take care guys. So today I have the lovely disability advocate and model, Hallie Rosa. Lovely to meet you. Thank you for coming on the podcast. So excited that you had me. It's been a long time coming. You've been on my radar for a long, long time. And I've seen the great work you do with Off-White and stuff. And I'm like, I need to talk to Hallie. Well, I have to say you do a pretty great job of everything yourself. So, you know, this was meant to be. Oh, making me blush. So to start off with Hallie, if you could describe your disability for us and how it affects you, would that be okay? Yeah, sure. So um, seven years ago, I was working in North Dakota as a news anchor and um, it was a lovely day outside. It was bright blue skies and not snowing, but there had must have been snow days before. So, you know, we were driving to actually go skiing. And the car that I was in hit black ice. Um, It rolled over. I was ejected and immediately knew that I was paralyzed from the waist down. Mm -hmm. Uh, Laying there, you know, you can tell something's wrong, obviously, when you can't move. So my disability is that I have a spinal cord injury. I am paralyzed from the waist down. And in the daily world, it affects me because I use a wheelchair. I can't walk unassisted. And... Uh, you know, that's how I live my life. Yeah, a big, big change for sure. And we'll get 
a little bit more onto that later. So what does the average day look like for you? Apart from obviously walking, like you just mentioned, what kind of help might you need from other people on the daily and where you live and where you work? What kind of adaptations might you need to be able to do things as independently as possible, I guess? Right. So currently I do about 12 hours of physical therapy a week. So I'm pretty busy with that. I find it really important and helpful to stay fit if you're in a wheelchair. Um, That's just my personal opinion. It makes, you know, wheeling around a lot easier for me. And there are a lot of exercises that they help me with that I would not be able to do on my own. Mm -hmm. Things that help with my core stability and strength in general. Um, While I'm in physical therapy, I do use a walker and AFO braces. So I am able to, you know, walk and stand up there and try different exercises standing up to gain strength in ways that I wouldn't be able to sitting down. As for daily life, you know, picture me as someone really short, I guess. So (laughs) around the house, I need help, you know, reaching higher things. The neighbors might get a weird knock at their door asking if they can pull something down for me. And in the outside world, you know, it's it's tough to navigate because you never really know what you're getting yourself into. You know, there could be steps outside, curbs, all different sorts of things that you wouldn't necessarily look into encountering. And then, boom, they're there. For sure. And I would imagine that you might encounter a lot of extra costs because of that, like taking more cabs instead of using public transport because... You need to know for sure that you can get to where you need to go. Sure. So, yeah, that's actually one of my biggest pet peeves and something that I would eventually like to see changed in a bigger way. Um, You know, I take a lot of Ubers and I feel like I'm forced into taking an Uber XL, which is obviously more expensive than if you just order a regular Uber. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason I do this is because the wheelchair fits into the trunk of an XL. My wheelchair doesn't fold. And, you know, when I was living in Chicago, they had Uber with wheelchair accessible vehicle options to order, but it was always an adapted van that you had to roll into and be strapped into. And, you know, that's great for the people that need that, obviously. But for me, when I can kind of, you know, transfer into the back of a car, it feels certainly unfair that I am forced to pay more because I need to ensure that the wheelchair will fit into a car. Definitely. And do you think over the time that you've been in a wheelchair, things like that have improved in terms of awareness that drivers and stuff might have about people who use wheelchairs or is it all still pretty much the same? I think it comes down to being your own advocate. And I don't think a lot of people have experience unless they're close with somebody who's in a wheelchair. So, you know, advocating for yourself and showing people what to do and, you know, teaching them how to pick the wheelchair up or put it into the trunk the way you know it will fit is definitely something I lean on myself to teach other people. That's really interesting. And I also, I was born with my disability. I have cerebral palsy. And I've definitely found that as I've grown up and become an adult, being your your own advocate is definitely the most powerful to, tool in terms of getting what you need and being clear with people, I think. One of the main issues is lack of awareness and people more often than not being scared to ask or 
of saying the wrong thing and offending someone. So open conversations in that respect are really, really important. Right. You know, it's I use the arms of the wheelchair and those come out very easily. So even, you know, if an Uber driver pulls it out by accident, they're so quick to apologize and feel so bad. And I'm just like, you know, you don't have to feel bad or apologize. Let me just show you how to put it right back. Yeah, it's designed to come out so it can go straight back in again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we're here, I guess, as well as models and as advocates to um, represent for other members of our community, but also show the wider world that we're out there and we're happy to have these conversations and happy to answer questions. Like everyone has a responsibility to learn about other people's experiences that are different to their own. I always tell people I am an open book and some other people with disabilities might not feel like they want to be, but I'm open to questions and, you know, I find it educational to be open so that way other people do have a a good way to learn about disabilities absolutely so to move on to a little bit you've already spoken about your injury and how it happened could you talk to us a little bit about your rehab process I know now you spend a lot of time in physical therapy um is that kind of changed over time the kind of things you do maybe your capability is increased definitely so when I first got injured I spent inpatient for about three months in um, Shirley Ryan Ability Lab which is in Chicago and it's one of you know the best in the world people from literally all over the world fly in for that facility so I think that was a large part of you know learning certain skills to help me in the beginning that made me, you know, stronger now, I guess. Um, you know, I, I literally had to learn to sit up again. I have photos of myself from inpatient rehab, you know, just sitting up and that was a huge accomplishment at the time or Mm. just learning to get dressed or roll over was a big accomplishment. Um, you know, the ironic part is the, emergency room doctor when I got injured was someone that I had been sitting on a plane next to weeks before. Wow. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was a small town in North Dakota, but you know, he had called me about a month into my inpatient stay and said, how are you and whatnot. Um, And he was the one that gave me a 0% chance of ever walking again. So I said, you know, I'm walking with large braces, you know, the KFO braces that go up to your thighs. That was the first, you know, major milestone, I would say. And I heard click, he hung up on me and I never heard from him again. But, you know, inpatient is where I did learn to stand up again for the first time. It was all of my first all over again. Yeah. I can relate to some of that to some extent, especially to what the KFOs and the AFOs. When I was 15, I had my hamstrings released, which is basically where they cut into the muscle to release the tension. So you have a larger range of movement because through puberty, obviously you grow really quick and your muscles can't keep up. So it got to the point where I couldn't straighten my knees and my pelvis was going backwards, which was making my back messed up. So they release all the tension and yeah, KFOs are a bitch. Not fun, but you know. (laughs) Obviously those times in rehab when you're going through a major event like that are 
traumatic to say the least and I acknowledge that I've been through that but there's a weird disassociation in my head because of how much further on I am now compared to how I was then do you relate to that um I do and I don't because yes it's seven years seems so long ago at this point right I'm a totally different person now than I was seven years ago three years ago but I just feel like, you know, that is where so many milestones happened. And I look back and I have such vivid memories of impatient and, you know, everything that I learned and did there, the ups, the downs. I mean, there are some memories that feel like it could have been yesterday. And I'm sure that through that process, it really helped you to perhaps regain a relationship with your body again, maybe. Would you say that? Yes. I mean, I, I don't think there was a moment where I thought to myself, I'm not going to try to get better. Um, you know, from the second I was injured, my mind was never bent backwards, let's say. Mm-hmm. You know, my goal was from day one to be the best that I can be and to get the strongest that I can. And seven years later, that's still my goal. Absolutely. And yeah, I definitely feel the same. It didn't change me as a person, but I feel like it probably cemented in my mind the things I wanted to achieve and the things that I wanted to do, which is probably why I'm here now talking to you. Yeah, I mean, I think through the years, everyone evolves, whether you're injured or not. This definitely took me on a different path than I would have ever expected. But, you know, it's, it sounds crazy, but it can be fun in certain ways to redesign your life and, you know, re-engineer your mind to switch gears and have a totally different track. Yeah. And life is always a challenge, right? I think we've all learned this over the past few years with COVID and all the crazy things it's thrown us. Yeah. I mean, we've had to re-navigate prior to COVID. So I think everyone at this point is adapting to some sort of life. Definitely. And I hope people learn from what we've learned from COVID with like working from home and things like that and how important accessibility can be for everyone and not just people with disabilities. Yeah, I think we have a long way to go with accessibility, but But now I think is the best opportunity because we're kind of rearranging everything in the world and why can't we rearrange things to be more accessible i mean that's why we are here we are literally here to help accessibility come to the forefront and we need to see the changes right but we i don't think there's always been such a large presence um i'd like to think we're young a young presence of the disability community coming forward and saying we want change so it's nice to have a community and I think we all lean on each other. I mean, we're pretty far away from each other, but it's nice to know, you know, we relate to each other and have each other in the same mindset. Definitely. I kind of came into the world of advocacy because things happened in my professional and personal life that I was kind of shocked at. I'll just say narrow-mindedness from people who were quite close to me. And that kind of highlighted in my head well I always knew this was happening but I was privileged enough to maybe that it would happen behind my back and not in front of my face 
and now people are saying these things in front of my face who are close to me so maybe there is a lot more negative and wrong things about the world so I need to use my power to try and change those things but I think through meeting people like you and through meeting people um, whether they're writers whether they're photographers whether they're models whether they're sports people anyone I, who I've met through the podcast or people who I just bump into and say I know who you are I follow you we have so much technology at our fingertips now which allow us to connect I mean 20 years ago we wouldn't have been able to do this or have this conversation and we probably wouldn't even know about each other right no it's amazing how far you know it's come in that aspect and I'm so happy that we are all finally, you know, banded together to try to change everything. So we talked a little bit about your rehab. And I think an important part of these conversations that I'm having with people on the podcast, I'm kind of asking them for people who... Um, might be in a similar position to you or might have been in a similar position to you in the past what advice would you offer them there are a couple things I mean first and foremost I would say as I mentioned be your own advocate trust yourself believe your gut you know you know your body best so it's important to stand up for yourself and and tell people how you're feeling what you need or what you think could be done better how to change things I would also tell people, which this sounds crazy to me, because when I was injured, if someone said this to me, which people did, I would probably cry, but it gets better. You know, mm -hmm. life in a wheelchair is not depressing. It's not sad. Things are different, but it's all about how you look at things in life. And that goes for anybody in a wheelchair, not in a wheelchair with a disability of any sort. If you spend your life positive, helping others, doing good, working on yourself, then you'll have a positive life. You know, when I got injured, I could have sat there and moped around and chose to give up everything, right? But mm -hmm. that's, that's not going to help. So I would say advocate for yourself and do good, work hard, and everything will definitely get better than when you first put into this situation. Yeah. And I can't remember what I was watching recently, but it was something about volunteering and helping your wider community. And someone said the way that humans make themselves happy is by making other humans happy. And I really, really, that really resonated with me. And when I feel low, I just think about like, I've only been doing this for a year and look at how much I've achieved already, how many connections I've made and how many people have told me that I've made a positive impact on them. And then it takes me like 10 minutes of maybe listening to some depressing music and then <laughs> I'll be fine again. <laughs> no, I, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, sometimes it's just like that and you're feeling low, but the truth is helping others really does, you know, give you the greatest feeling and putting a smile on someone's face and expecting nothing in return is really amazing yeah and then to change that question slightly what would you have told yourself when you were at your lowest or are those the two same things even though you would have made yourself cry <laughs> <laughs> I mean honestly I spent every day crying in inpatient rehab I didn't know anybody in a wheelchair 
So I guess I would tell myself, be the change that you, you needed, um, you know, try to change the world, do, do as much good as you can so that other people in your situation don't have to feel this way. Or at least if they are upset, which is obviously natural, you know, they see the light that, you know, there, there is positivity out there and they are welcomed in this world. That's a really good piece of insight. You helped me if you didn't help anyone else today. Oh, I love it. I told you <laughs> the start of my day. So we're one for one. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So I just spoke about like there were some specific trigger points of when I decided that disability advocacy was something that I felt was important to me and something that I felt that I needed to do. For a long time, I was very conscious of the media narrative of disability either being like you're dead or you can't achieve anything or you're like this superhuman Paralympian figure who's like doing everything. And I was very strongly of the mindset like I just want to keep my head down. I want to be an average person. I want to pay my bills. I want to be as independent as possible and have a job, which is fine. And I totally, totally um, respect people who do that. And there's many people with disabilities I know who are that and are great members of society and pay their taxes. Um, but when was this a cause that you felt like you wanted to outwardly support? So when I, when I got injured, you know, there was nobody that I at least saw in major campaigns or magazines, um, working for large companies, sitting at a round table that was in a wheelchair. And I always was triggered by that, you know, and then you leave inpatient rehab and it's kind of like, okay, where do I fit in? Mm -hmm. I was in a job that I literally could no longer do. I was carrying, you know, 50 pounds of equipment every day. I can't do that anymore. And I would have people come to me and say, well, do you want to go back to news or this or that? And, you know, maybe they didn't understand that I really couldn't, I, there was no place for me to fit in, it seemed, at least to me. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to help people. And I think at first I was kind of lost, didn't know exactly what path to take or how I was going to get to where I wanted to be. But with the pandemic, it was, it was like a light went off for the entire world and suddenly everyone wanted to be inclusive and figure out ways to make their companies diverse. So that was amazing. That was definitely a turning point for me where I was like, okay, this is where I go. This is, this is my time to, uh, you know, put in place the things that I want to do and start figuring out how to execute them. And how did you get into modeling? I think it's interesting that another parallel that we share is that We've come from quite, I don't know, I guess my job was con conventional working from behind a desk. Yours was a little bit outdoors than mine and running around. But how did you find that transition? I know obviously the biggest transition was injury and rehab, but now that you're kind of settled into more of an unconventional career path than most people, how do you find the difference between the two? It's, it's a really interesting question because, you know, I love what I'm doing now. Um, there have been times where if I book something on my own and it's a shoot, someone will have steps there. So, you know, it's it's not like the job is accessible, let's say, all the, all the time. Things are hard still. But other than that, you know, I look at it as everything I do, every time I, I can book something or 
you know, work with a company to help them become more diverse. It's, it's a win for me, but also the world, because the whole point is to really help others, like we said. And I think by putting my photo out there in a wheelchair, you know, it shows not everybody looks the same. Not everybody stands. Some people sit. Everyone in a wheelchair looks different. And, you know, like I said, if there's anybody out there who benefits from seeing, you know, a young woman in a wheelchair, then that's enough for me. Definitely. I've got a two-year-old niece. She's just about to turn three. And I think she's a brainiac. Like, she already knows what a hexagon is. And I'm like, what the hell? I don't know what a hexagon is. But her mom always shows her what I'm up to and the kind of people that I work with. And then her mom talks through to her, like, what disability this person has and what this person might struggle with. And I also make a point of being that boring uncle who always buys her like books for Christmas and birthday. But I always buy her like disability theme books so she can learn about that. I think that's important because I, like you said, you came out of your impatient stay and didn't really see anyone like yourself. Same as when I was a kid, I always knew I was different. I always wore afos until I was 18 and I didn't know anyone else really like me. Or if they did have a disability, then they were quite quite a lot more severe than me. So I kind of lived in a bit of a gray area and didn't know where I fit. But I'm so glad that now there is much more material that's accessible to young children, either if they're disabled or not, to be like, this is where you fit, or this is how you can be kind to someone who might be different to you. So it's, it's actually really funny that you bring that point up because I just had this conversation with um, someone the other day about young kids and how some parents choose to say like, no, sweetie, you can't ask that. Or some parents let their kids ask whatever. And I live in a, in a building. So, you know, there's a lot of people here with kids. And the other day I was outside and some little girl comes up to me and I happen to know her family just a little bit. Um, she's a young mother and she comes out to me and she says, did you break your leg? And I said, well, not really, but kind of <laughs> I broke my back. And she said, I broke my leg and she didn't have a cast on or anything. And her mom was just laughing and she's like, no, she didn't. She's just making that up. So I said, oh, well, you know, it doesn't look like you broke your leg. And she, she you know, they end up walking away and she looks at me and she goes, I hope you feel better soon. And in that moment, I realized it kind of is up to parents to, either educate their children or allow their children to ask questions. And, you know, kids will say anything. I think the parents almost take more offense to their questions than I do. But then the children don't get to learn if you quiet them and say things are inappropriate to ask. Yeah, definitely. And I hope I can make a difference in my niece's life and make her, well, kindness and empathy should be the words of the day every day for me, I feel. I agree so working in modeling has that side of things changed your view of your disability or disability in a wider sense there's a yes and a no because I always thought I was worthy of the same, you know, work that other people were doing without disabilities. 
Um, and I think everyone in the disability community is worthy of booking the same jobs as able-bodied people. Mm-hmm. You know, so my mind hasn't changed in that sense, but I am happy that, you know, brands and companies are starting to include the dis- disability world more. Yeah, it makes sense. Everyone wants to wear nice clothes it, and everyone should feel like they can express their individuality through clothes. I mean, whether you care about clothes or not, you still choose what to wear. In the it's everything. It's, you know, clothing, accessories, jewelry, shoes. It's, it's quite honestly, everything. It's not only clothing. It is. The more I work in this and the more I kind of delve into the behind the scenes thing, the more I find that like subconsciously we make millions and millions of decisions every day. It might not just be about fashion. It might be about what we eat or how much exercise we do or what we watch on TV. I used to work in an office job and I used to work as chair of the disability network as my like extracurricular activity. So we, well, I acted as like the conduit between HR and the staff members. And I think there's so much, well, obviously we've come far in terms of representation in relatively short amount of time, but I think there's still a lot to be learned, not just by companies who are in the fashion industry, but by every company around digital accessibility and- um, Literally, you know, our everything is created in the past at this point, and we have to look to redesign almost the future to make it fully inclusive. For sure. So I'm talking to companies now about like, uh, think twice about what font sizes you use in your emails or don't save something as a PDF because screen readers can't read it. Simple stuff like that, that you and me might know, but your average Joe or Joette out there might not. But it's simple things that take one click of a button. You're like, actually, I'm opening up a world full of, at the end of the day, it's opportunity. If you know that you're accessibility is better for someone who is blind, for example, then give someone who is blind more of an opportunity. And that's how we honestly move forward as a society. I think society finally wants to play catch up. And, you know, like I mentioned, people want change and want to be of help to others. So hopefully in the coming years, we'll see that change come to life and be able to be more inclusive in general. I think I had one last question. Fire away. What would you say is your proudest achievement to date in your modeling career? Um. Okay. Modeling wise, I would say off-white because I think Virgil is truly an amazing human. And I speak about him like he's still here because in my mind he is. Um, and, you know, off-white was really one of the first major, I would call it a luxury brand to mm-hmm. put an image out there of a girl in a wheelchair, not only in a wheelchair, but in swimwear and active wear. So it was kind of interesting to see that done. And I think it was amazing. And then, you know, working with LVMH to put on 
a pop-up gallery at Art Basel for International Day of Persons with Disabilities was really amazing as well. Um, I saw coverage on that and amazing. Thank you so much for your work on that. They were already in that space. You know, they do good work trying to uh, get involved in the disability world. But it was really, really amazing to be able to do that project with them. Who do you have a goal to work for slash with in the near future? Delta. Yes. I actually, um, I'll give you a link to it. My friend who has CP, who uses a wheelchair, I spoke to him on Zoom and I wrote an article about how he thinks flying should change for people with disabilities and recommendations for how things can change. So you might find that interesting. They would be great to work with. They have, you know, some things coming out, like new planes, I believe, that are supposed to be out soon. So I don't know. That would be a cool one. Um, Azo, I believe that's how it's pronounced. I've said it that way my whole life. Azo, I don't know if you even have it there, actually. it's. I've never heard of it before. They have all different lines of, like, cranberry pills or, you know, bladder health. and it's a pretty big brand here. And I think that it would be cool for them to feature people who use it for different ways than they might think. I mean, most women probably use it to prevent urinary tract infections just regularly. But when you have a spinal cord injury, you are opened up to a world of, you know, all different things. And I think UTIs are something that people with spinal cord injuries typically suffer from more so than the regular population, I'd probably say, Um, at least Mm. from what I hear from my friends. And that product is something that I feel like they should, you know, branch out and maybe include the disability world and work with them on how much it helps, you know, their health. Definitely. And for people who are neurologically affected like me, I'm also more affected in that way right. than some people yes. so many more people that I know of than you know of and I feel like sometimes no pun intended they're stuck in their box of of you know old old ways and they need to open up a little bit and take some chances on risking uh, I guess different ways to go about their their product the business. Yeah, I mean, it could open so much for them as well. So, hey, Azo, if yeah. you hear this, I'm sorry if I pronounce your uh, your brand wrong, but let's do some work. Yeah. Who else is on your list? Oh, gosh. It's, you know, I'm going to tell you how I get to these, how I get these lists, right? Yeah. It will be things in my daily life that I'm like, this is annoying. Or like, hmm, I love this, but they're not inclusive. So I'll just add it to the list. Or like there is a simple change of how you could make this so much better. Right. I mean, it's things that I have in my home that I'm like, this is very annoying to me. And I'm sure it's annoying to other people, but I love it. So how can we fix this? Or, you know, this does work for me, but you don't include anybody in a wheelchair in your campaigns. And why aren't you? Because you have no idea how much money you could make. And if you did, it would have happened already. So, you know. That's how I get to these lists because I'll just be using products I love. And I am not one of those people that's going to like be on Instagram selling things that I don't use. Anything I like post, I actually use or love. Um, So, you know, that's how I get my ideas mostly. 
I I'm really happy to hear that you kind of think in a similar way that I do in that respect honestly have you got any questions that you want to ask me you're in London right so I've yeah. never been to London um how's the accessibility there I'm very privileged in the fact that I don't use a wheelchair but like everyone I have good days and bad days um a few weeks ago I pulled my hip when I went on a run and that really affected me for like a month on the tube there's a lot of steps there's not elevators at every station for a long time people who did need added accessibility or step free or whatever you would like to call it it was very difficult because you could get from your starting point to your destination and then for example the elevator wasn't working at the other end so then you'd have to come all the way back home but now the transport authority transport for london has an app like a special accessibility app and it's all live so it shows you what elevators are not working live and what escalators do you call them escalators in yes. the us Okay, I didn't know. And what escalators aren't working and what stations are closed or whatever, but everyone... What about for like daily uh, life, like restaurants? Restaurants is pretty good, to be honest. We have, I would say, really advanced equality law laws in general, I would say, in terms of what you can't discriminate against and disability is one of those so most restaurants for example if there is steps out front they'll have like a folding wheelchair ramp that they will then like put down for you i do know of a few restaurants that provide like braille menus oh cool i would say i'm incredibly lucky to live in london because even though things might be a little bit further on in london compared to where you might live and where do you live if you don't well i live in fort lauderdale in florida okay cool i did a year abroad in florida you did as part of my degree Amazing. Yeah. where were you uh just outside of orlando in the i don't want to offend anybody but that's like not florida you know we got north <laughs> florida south florida i'm a little i'm three hours south so okay fine but yeah i would say london is far far ahead than everywhere else like I grew up in Manchester so in North England and the transport is nowhere near as good anywhere else in the UK except from London because we have the underground so we actually have now a new train um that's you know they built it from Fort Lauderdale to Miami and West Palm Beach and they're building it to Orlando uh and a couple of other cities and I actually really love taking that um I think originally it was built by Virgin and Richard Branson, but they sold it. It is super accessible. So it's, I think that's going to be game changing, but I, I also think more people need to know about it. Um, they have like a good ramp that rolls right out. They actually have a wheelchair accessible car that will pick you up and drop you at the station. Um, like the bathrooms on the train are humongous. So it's not only good for people with disabilities, but you know, baby changing everything. So I think, yeah. you know, that's our first big accessible train, it seems like. And so far, I'm loving having that. Yeah, I can't imagine what it's like on like the the Amtrak trains where you have to go up steps when you get on the, the carriage and stuff. Yeah, well, you might have to come back and we can explore together. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
thank you for that conversation. That was so amazing. And thank you for trusting me and opening up your world to me. Honestly, it means so I'm much. so happy that we got to have this conversation. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Politics next time. Nope, I'm opting out. Cancel. <laughs> <laughs>